Welcome to the Equipped Educator Podcast. My name is Jen Kleiber, founder of The Responsive Classroom, and whether you're an administrator or an instructional coach looking to equip your teachers or a teacher in the trenches looking to equip your students, you will leave this podcast with new knowledge and actionable steps and strategies to make your part of the education world better. So I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig in. And if you're more of a words person, you can always find the content of our podcast in blog form at the backslash the responsive educator blog. So check that out there. So this podcast episode today is for instructional coaches and administrators who are blessed enough to have instructional coaches. And before we even start, I do want to tell you about the free resource that I have for you that links to this podcast. It is a free webinar for instructional coaches that is released today. In this webinar, Five Steps to Reduce Overwhelm as an Instructional Coach, I'm going to walk you through some practical ways to focus on the things that you can control, coach with purpose, bring positive change, and lower your overwhelm in the process. You can sign up for free at theresponsiveclassroom.org or by clicking the link in the show notes. Okay, so listen, I've noticed something. There are a lot of you who may have more non-coaching things on your plate than actual coaching. Administrators, if you can do anything to give the coaches back designated coaching time, they are going to be more effective. But I know that sometimes it's out of it's out of everybody's hand. But let's talk about a few of the non-coaching things that instructional coaches get added to their plates. Subplans, covering classes, organizing events, compliance paperwork, maybe the testing coordinator or testing assistant, a mediator, sometimes because of the relationship that the coach has with teachers, they end up getting in the middle of, of conflict there. Y'all, the list goes on and on, but the point is there are some things you aren't going to be able to help, but if we can't have coaching cycles, the efficacy of coaching suffers, right? And why is this important? Aren't instructional coaches extra position? Y'all, I do not feel that way. But I know that it sure feels that way sometimes to some of you. In a new resource that we're releasing, uh, the Responsive Coaching Toolkit, wink, wink, I give a few statistics in the intro, but let me give you one. According to the International Study of Performance Improvement, Business coaching brought in, on average, 221% ROI. Okay, let's dissect that for a minute. ROI is the return on the investment. So that means that whatever that business invested into coaching, they brought in 221% more revenue. Uh, first of all, listen, people pay big money to have a business coach. I know, I'm one of them. So there is a crucial component to this stat. A person is very willing to be coached, right? But on the flip side, the best coach I had, the one who made me have the most growth in my business in the shortest amount of time, the reason he was so great was because every conversation that I had with him sparked so many of my own ideas. He fired me up, man, and he brought out my own strengths and creativity while filling in some of my business gaps, right? So I think that the other really important component of a 221% ROI is the willingness of the coachee and an effective coach, right? 
Now, you can't do a whole lot about the willingness of the teacher that you're wanting to coach or that you're needing to coach, uh, but we want to focus on what we can control here, okay? So let's just imagine for a minute what a 221% ROI would look like in a classroom. Sure, of course, we would have increased assessment scores. That's a given. But let's talk about it from a non-score perspective. 221% improvement in classroom management. 221% increase in student engagement. 221% increase in student literacy. Time back to teachers with efficient planning. Time back to instruction with less reteach and more students grasping the learning in the first teach. Y'all, this can happen, but we got to get those two components in place, a willing coachee and an efficient coach. So let's start with the coach. I want to give you five things to think about in the limited time that you may have to actually coach. Okay, let me tell you the five and then we'll dive into each of them. Number one, choose your coaching model and stick to it as much as possible. Number two, use forms. Number three, debrief is more important than the planning. Debrief in person. Number four, suggestions stink, questions rule. And number five, authentic praise goes a long way. Okay, so let's dive into each one of these. Number one, choose your coaching model and stick to it as much as possible. Decide if you are going to be relationship-centered, teacher-centered, or student-centered, and then make sure to filter your narrative through that lens. Let's talk about each one of these briefly. Relationship-centered coaching will focus on, surprise, your relationship with the teacher. Now, with this model, it is easy to fall into kind of the helper role uh, with the relationship-centered coaching. It's easy to fall into the trap of being a sounding board or a go-between in this model. Uh, teacher-centered coaching is focused on just that, the teacher, right? This is typically the model used when a district is implementing new curriculum or you're coaching for something specific like guided reading, but the focus is on the teacher. Do they have the resources they need? Do they know how to implement it? What questions do they have, Right. And then my favorite and the one I feel very strongly is the most effective, and that is student-centered coaching, focused on, drum roll please, the student. Now, what makes this so effective is that the narrative centers around the students and student learning and not the teacher. So it's not, how do you think the lesson went? It's what learning did you want the students to get to and how did they show you that they got there? Now, we talk a little more about this in the free webinar for instructional coaches, um, that you guys need to jump on. Did I mention that it's only available until February 27th? I know, not that long. Um, but this is really important. When you get really clear on the type of coaching, the coaching model that you want to use, it's a lot easier to make sure that you're, you're staying the course with that. Okay, number two, use forms. Y'all, I cannot emphasize this enough. I'm not saying that you have to use one every single time, but if you are needing to get through a debrief or you're needing to use planning time effectively, if you're needing to lower that effective filter, right? I know it may seem counterintuitive that a form would lower the effective filter and put a teacher more at ease, but when you're going through a form and they can see the questions also, it really takes away the subjective questions for you to ask, right? It helps you to stay on track um, and it helps you to kind of be on the same team with it. 
Okay, number three. Now I'm going through these quickly. Again, I've got a ton of resources out for you right now to dive into each of these things. Number three, the debrief is more important than planning. Do it in person. Y'all, this is a personal opinion, but I've coached for a long time. And when we can have student-centered debrief conversations, this becomes hugely impactful, especially if we can do this before we plan. I really recommend that this needs to be a face-to-face conversation chocked full of student-centered, non-subjective questions. It needs to start with authentic praise, and you need to be prepared with questions to help guide the teacher into their own realization. You remember being in the midst of the classroom as a teacher. Teachers often feel like the lesson was either super stellar or horrible, and usually it falls somewhere in the middle, right? But it's all about student learning. I'm going to strongly encourage you to not put a list of findings and suggestions into an email and send it to the teacher. While you may have the absolute best of intentions, there's a really good chance that they will not receive it in the way that you intended. And we want to build alliances with the teachers, just like we want them to build alliances with the students. And this debrief conversation can make or break that alliance. Once you have a productive debrief conversation, your planning session is going to be so much more productive because you'll be planning with the students already in mind. So if you think you're not going to be able to have a full coaching cycle with a teacher, plan for the debrief time above the planning time. And if you have a good debrief conversation, you'll start to equip the teacher to actually plan responsibly with students in mind. Uh, Now, my one Um, exception to sending your observations in an email is if a teacher has reached out to you and specifically asked you for a specific thing, like they've asked you to come watch a kid or they've asked you to come uh, watch a specific part of their lesson and see how the students respond to it. If that's the case, then they're already open to receiving that feedback. So I would say in that case, that would be the exception to just sending things over. Um, Now, I provide you with a debrief form that helps me guide conversations in several of my resources and with the free webinar that I've already mentioned. Okay, number four, suggestions stink, questions rule. Now, I'm not telling you to never give suggestions, right? So don't hear me say that. But asking the right questions and guiding teachers to their own solutions is going to work better 100% of the time. Now, if suggestions are needed, we still want to ask questions first. So if I'm asking questions like, did every student get the opportunity to talk about the questions you asked in the class? Well, if it was a whole group discussion, the answer is going to be no, right? That only a few of them answered the questions. So then I can start my follow-up questions. I love the questions that you are asking. A lot of the times, the whole group discussion doesn't really lend itself to the struggling students, right? because they just sit back and let other people answer. How can we make sure to facilitate them thinking about and answering the questions? Hopefully the teacher will say something like, well, I could have them talk to their neighbor first. Awesome. So how do we make sure that they understand and have time to think about the question? Um, I mean, I could post the question and give some wait time. Awesome, right? So now the teacher has come up with some solutions. Now, if the teacher doesn't come up with those ideas, then you can gently give suggestions because they're aware of the problem, right? So I always try to pack a suggestion in with something they're already doing. So what I might say if I need to give suggestions is something like this. 
hey, listen, you have planned fabulous questions. So we just want to make sure that every kid has the opportunity to process those questions and maybe respond to those questions. So to give everyone the chance to think about them and answer them, have you thought about maybe posting the question on the board and giving a few seconds of think time? Does this make sense how I can build on what he or she's already doing? Now, what I see happen a, a lot is because instructional coaches always seem to be running short on time because there's so much on your plates. They may go in and observe and then send an email with five to 10 suggestions. This is just not going to be an effective way to do this unless the teacher has already asked you to come in for a specific reason, right? And I already mentioned that. Okay, number five, authentic praise goes a long way. I've already touched on this, but most teachers are working really hard. When we come in and we only focus on the ways that students could learn more, it can be very defeating, even if we are having a student-centered narrative. My goal with each teacher is to genuinely find something to praise. Maybe the way they smile and interact with students. Maybe the learning environment they've created. Maybe the questions they've planned. Maybe the organization of their lesson. Maybe their content knowledge. Make sure to find positives in every class. It can be even more effective when your questions can be built upon the student's strengths. So let me give you a couple of examples, okay? This is something I might say to, to teachers if I've noticed that they have these strengths. Hey, you have a fabulous relationship with these students. They would do anything you ask them to do. Now, we've already decided that you want to push them into independence a little bit more. Where can we add supports that take away their dependence on you, right? Okay, or here's example two. You are asking really great questions. We want to make sure that every kiddo, especially the struggling kids, have an opportunity to think and process the answers. How could we add in the opportunity for every kid to think about these awesome questions that you've planned, right? Or here's example three. You are so creative. You're coming up with some really great ideas. You have a very high need class, which means that they need to have a little more structure to be able to get to the learning or else they're just being a distraction and rolling around on the floor. So let's think through some structures that you could add to the creative tasks that you already have them doing. Does this make sense? When we can build on their strengths, they're going to be more likely to do it. Okay, so just to recap, here's your five. Choose your coaching model and stick to it as much as possible. Number two, use a form. Number three, Debrief is more important than the planning. Debrief in person. Number four, suggestions stink. Questions rule. Number five, authentic praise goes a long way. Okay, so I'm going to remind you again. Every month I have a free resource that goes with the podcast. And this month it's the pod, it's the webinar, but the webinar is only available for a limited time. The webinar is called Five Steps to Reduce Overwhelm as an Instructional Coach. Now I'm gonna warn you, we can only control ourselves, right? So this webinar is focused on what you can do as the instructional coach to help yourself be more productive and effective as a coach. Kind of the work smarter, not harder philosophy. You can head to the responsiveclassroom.org and sign up there, or you can head to the link in the show notes. And again, this free webinar will only be available until February 27th. So make sure to sign up before then. 
there'll be some additional bonuses and discounts for signing up. Once you sign up, you'll receive this webinar in your inbox and you can watch it at any time. So just make sure to sign up before the 27th. And I just want to leave you with this. As an instructional coach, you have the power to impact hundreds and hundreds of students. Stay focused. Have the hard conversations. Don't back down. And thank you for loving kids through the teachers that you're working with. Thank you again for being here. I hope that you found value that you can use and share. Please subscribe, download, and share this episode. And if you did find value, I would be so honored if you could leave a positive review on Apple or Spotify. We at the Responsive Classroom would also love to partner with your campus on your journey to being responsive, equipped educators who equip students. We have a lot of different ways to do this. So if you'd like to chat about it, shoot an email to jen at theresponsiveclassroom.org or head to the website and you can get information there. Thank you for loving kids. Until next time.